Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 5th, 2017, and this is a 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 153, starting with paragraph 3 which starts in the chapter, Working with Others, and then we will read clear through on page 154, three paragraphs there, and that ends with, floated to him from the bar. And we will comment on all five of those paragraphs to find something you can align to today. Today's readers are Kalina M. for the 12 Steps, Leslie C. for the 12 Traditions, and reading the text in support today is Marie J., Kathy Jo P., and Gina R. The reference numbers. The reference numbers for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, and that would be October 4th, 2017, is 10503. That's 10,503. And then the reference number for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting today, October 5th, Thursday, 2017, is 10505, 10505. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Kalina Kalina, I'm sorry about that. Kalina M. to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Kalina. Can I be heard? You can. Okay, hi. Kalina, compulsive overeater. And here are the steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food and our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us back to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, made a fearless and moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to all of them. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Kalina M. I will now ask Leslie C. to please read the tall traditions. Good morning. I am Leslie C. from Imperial Beach, California. I am a compulsive overeater on the path to recovery. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you very much, Leslie C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study 
of the big book on page 153, and that begins with the paragraph 3 in the chapter, Working with Others, is what that begins with. And we'll read through five full paragraphs and share on those five full paragraphs. And that ends on page 154 with, Floated to Him from the Bar. And now I'll ask Marie J. to begin our study and our reading today. Good morning, Marie. Thanks, Melanie. Can you hear me? I can. Great. This is Marie J. Recovered in Colorado. In the chapter, Working with Others, you gathered an idea about how we and aid others to health. Suppose now, suppose now that through you, several families have adopted this way of life. You want to know more of how to proceed from that point. Perhaps the best way of treating you to a glimpse of your future will be to describe the growth of the fellowship among us. Here is a brief account. Years ago in 1935, one of our number made a journey to a certain western city. From a business standpoint, his trip came off badly. Had he been successful in his enterprise, he would have been set on his feet financially, which at the time seemed vitally important. But his venture wound up in a lawsuit and bogged down completely. The proceeding was shot through with much hard feeling and controversy. Bitterly discouraged, he found himself in a strange place, discredited and almost broke. Still physically weak and sober but a few months, he saw that his predicament was dangerous. He wanted so much to talk with someone, but whom? One dismal afternoon, he placed a lobby, he paced a lobby, hotel lobby, wondering how his bill was to be paid. At one end of the room stood a glass-covered directory of local churches. Down the lobby, a door opened to an attractive bar. He could see the gay crowd inside. In there, he would find companionship and release. Unless he took some drinks, he might not have the courage to scrape up an acquaintance and would, only, and would have a lonely weekend. Of course, he couldn't drink, but why not sit, hopefully, at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months now, perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks. No more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay ch- chatter still floated to him from the bar. Wow, that's a mouthful. <laughs> this, is, this is such a great paragraph. You know, this is all about the slippery slope that I'm on if I don't stay in fit social condition. And, um, you know, I just love this story. You know, in Chapter 5, it says we stood at the turning point asking God for protection and, compa- and care with complete abandon. And I must do this every day. I have to be in this work every day. I have to be carrying the message. I have to be on the lines, in the meetings, outreach calls. I have to be sponsoring because I am always on a slippery slope. And this is also about choice, you know, when calamity hits. Bill got hit with some calamity there. Wow, this choice of, do, you know, I've had a hard day at work and it didn't go my way. I don't have control of it. Am I going to go to the bar or go find myself an alcoholic to talk to? And when things don't go my way, I still have a choice to turn to the food or turn to higher power. And Every day I get to choose to turn to keep making choices that are God-led and take steps to have recovered behaviors. Or I can choose to go with my ego and addiction and myself. And self is the key here, the ego. You know, on page 14, my favorite line in the whole book is, 
simple but not easy, a price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. And that's my ego, that's my addiction, that's myself. If any of that gets into the equation here, then I'm sunk. Because if I think I got this, if I think I got this more than one day at a time, giving it to God, then I am sunk. I can't go into a bar and, and have a ginger ale and think I'm not going to be tempted to drink. And when self is removed and I get my ego off the pedestal, I have a chance because humility can then come in. If I have my ego and myself involved in this thing, there's no humility. And humility is needed because I have to turn to a power greater than myself. I have to be able to abandon myself to that power because I can't do this on my, on my own. I will go and drink. I will go and eat. I will go and do all that. And Bill demonstrates this here. You know, he, he makes that choice to turn toward recovery. And it's so exciting, you know. I relapsed twice in this program because I rested on my laurels. And I thought I didn't have to do this. I didn't have to, you know, I got this. I got this. I can do this. And I didn't work my steps 10, 11, and 12. And fear took over. And self-reliance took over. And I got this took over. And I just never turned to rely on God's care and protection. But I needed those relapses to know that I'm a real, I am a real compulsive overeater. Uh, this this disease has got me. And one day at a time now, I stay in recovery. I give it to God. I keep my ego off the pedestal, and I stay in this work. And for those relapses that came, I was so grateful because those had to come because I hadn't hit full bottom. I thought I had it. I thought I, I rested on my laurels. And so now I know very clearly every day, one day at a time, I got to do this thing and I got to keep my ego and myself out of it so I can not be on that slippery slope. Thanks a lot. I passed. Thank you, Marie J. Just to let you know, those who have come in just now to, to join our meeting, we are on page 153, starting with paragraph 3 in the chapter, Working with Others is what that begins with. We will be reading through five entire paragraphs and aligning our discussion and our experience, strength, and hope on those five paragraphs. Okay, it's now open for people that want to comment. Gina. And Beth B. Kathleen. Millie D. Terry KB. Okay, let's That's see me. what I have here. I have um, Gina. Did I have Gina? <clears throat> and I have an Anne and Beth G. And I have a Kathleen, but I didn't get the last initial. And I have Millie D. And I have Sherry KB. And I have Lisa B. Who did I miss? Stephanie N. Stephanie N. Like Nancy? Uh huh. Yes. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Marin. Marin, okay. What's the first initial of the last name, Marin? We'll catch you next time. Okay, so let's go with this. Gina R. Ann, I didn't catch your last name. Uh, Beth G., Kathleen, Millie D., Sherry KB., Lisa B., Stephanie N., and Marin. Good morning, Gina. Good morning, Mel. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. And I just... I'm so grateful to be here and really want to say a warm welcome to any newcomer or anybody who's been um, listening for a long time but hasn't been able to uh, muster the courage to speak up. Um, 
this is what this kind of um, says to me. He, Bill was at the point where he knew and he was sufficiently connected to his higher power, even though he didn't really know it yet because he hadn't um, had the experience of working with someone else. At least I don't think he did. I, I don't know what exactly was going on with him. But what this also speaks to me is when we are um, in the middle or approaching um, a calamitous or catastrophe situation, or if we are in a perfectly fine situation and we are getting ready to make it a catastrophe, that's something that I specialized in. I could be um, on the brink of greatness or disaster and I would still find a way to catastrophize everything. And <clears throat> I love how this just shows me clearly um, he was pacing a hotel lobby, wondering how his bill was going to be paid. Uh, you know, that makes me realize how much energy and time I have put into um, financial situations and have experienced financial insecurity. Um, he he knew that he had a choice to go in that bar, and then he, he didn't do it. He somehow didn't do it. And he decided to focus on um, getting outside of himself. And I think that has been the hardest thing for me to do and from others, for others whom, with whom I've spoken. And it doesn't matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert, reaching out that hand and admitting that you need help and that you don't know what to do is really, really hard. But that's what this program is all about. It's about admitting that powerlessness and then connecting with the power that's greater than you. And many times that's another individual through whom God will work and bring the answer. So he, he didn't know it, but that decision he made, that resulted in the program that we're, we're fortunate enough to experience right now, today. I just feel like crying knowing um, that he made that choice, and we are all benefiting from it. Um, so I am asking God that I can make similar choices today as they present themselves to me, and I look forward to being of service to others and will be privileged to um, take somebody's fifth step here in a couple of hours and watch them um, enter into a new freedom. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Gina R. Anne, you're next. Would you get the first initial of your last name, please? Did you just call Anne? I did. Okay, okay I'm Anne B. Initial? Oh, Anne B. Okay. Thank you. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I can remember early on in abstinence passing my favorite joint that sold my favorite trigger foods, which were desserts that my father loved. I, that was always, and he was from Europe, so there were European, certain European desserts that were my worst trigger foods because I associated them with my dysfunctional relationship with my father. And I remember passing that store and thinking, gee, when my dad had metastatic cancer, his doctor told him to binge on sweets. I wonder what would happen if I had metastatic cancer. And, and I remember thinking to myself, Anne, you don't have metastatic cancer. Um, worry about today. Flash forward to nine years later, you know, working the program based on the big book, and um, I did have metastatic cancer. And I walked out in front of a bakery, not the one that sold 
the particular desserts my father liked, but a bakery, the big picture window with all that junk in it. And I, and I, and the voice, you know, in my head, it said, oh, when you, you said when you had metastatic cancer that you were going to binge, right? It was time to binge. And I thought, this invisible hand grabbed my face and turned it away from the picture window so that I couldn't look in there and said, that's poison and you can't have it. And it, you know, this, this invisible this voice in my head. And I, to me, you know, like that was my higher power just like intervened um, at that critical moment and, you know, that was um, four years ago. I'm still abstinent. And I, I believe, you know, that sort of reversal of the insanely trivial excuse, whereas prior to program, I would use any emotional trigger as an excuse to go get that stuff afterwards my higher power protected me because I was, had been vigorously working the program. And to me, um, it was very moving that my higher power um, would intervene that way. Um, And then a few weeks later, after I had surgery, um, people were telling me I should eat more because I would lose weight in chemo. And that sounded really tempting. Oh, I, a great excuse to eat more, right? And then time. Oh, it's time? Or is that one out minute? <laughs> Sorry, it, it's time. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's the story later. Bye. Abrupt. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, three minutes. Okay. Let's see. After Andy, we have Beth G. Um, hello. Good morning. My name is Beth B, as in boy, and um, <laughs> yeah, and I'm calling from Charlottesville, Virginia, and um, I am a recovering compulsive overeater, and I am grateful. I'm so grateful because uh, today, um, the the situation that was described in these paragraphs is something that played out for me last night. Although. I I have to be painfully honest and say that I made um, the same choice I've always made, and I picked up, and um, I picked up uh, something that uh, that is on my um, red light food list. And I, although I will give myself a tremendous amount of credit that I was able to put it down before I ate it all, I still picked up, and it was a choice that I made. And it dawned on me this morning as I was talking to my sponsor that. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and the things I hear people saying on the line, uh, some of my favorite people who share, that, that this is a program of action. And I think sometimes uh, I am so guilty, and I think my disease makes me this way, so guilty of just expecting it to be done for me um, just because I believe in this higher power. And, 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 and I'm finding out uh, there's no magic. I have to do this thing. Um, I have to pick up this phone whenever I feel uh, the urge to pick up instead of picking up. That's that's part of the 
that's part of the tools that we're given in this big book. And so I just, you know, a lot of times I, I, I love listening to people who have a lot of recovery. I just hope that um, anybody who is, uh, is still struggling like I am uh, to, to get, to have the courage to speak up because I think for me hearing this come from someone else who's still experienced it would be so powerful and so I hope that by my sharing my uh, my honesty uh, about picking up a trigger food last night will help someone. And um, in in moving forward, I I plan to uh, shore up my um, end of the deal here so that I'm actually working the steps and doing this thing one day at a time. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks, Beth B. Kathleen, you're next. And first initial of your last name, if you would please. Thank you, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. This is Kathleen O, recovered in Northern California, and it's great to be on the line with all of you this morning. So I love these paragraphs because they really tell what this program is all about and why it works. And, you know, there's a there's such an emphasis on working with others, staying connected to a higher power, and <clears throat> having faith and trust in that higher power. Because there are going to come times when there's choices to be made and, you know, I have to ask, I have to ask every day for freedom from self-will and stay connected with that higher power. You know, I can only imagine what would have happened um, if Bill had, you know, gone in and had that ginger ale. And, you know, I've been there before um, when I'm not connected strongly to my higher power. I'm not working with others. That strange mental twist will come where it's like, oh, well, I'm just going to go in and have a ginger ale. I would do that. And then, well, you know, I can have three drinks. Well, three drinks pretty soon I'm face down in, in the alcohol, right? And for me, it's with the food. And so when those choices come, if I'm working with others and I'm, you know, passing on this program and I'm connected to my higher power, I may have that initial thought of, oh, um, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't one more bite be okay? Um, this isn't a big deal. Because those thoughts have come in my mind before. But immediately, you know, I recoil as from a hot flame. It's like, you know, that kind of shudder um, or shiver that, that, that he talked about. Um, and I go to my higher power or I go to one of you. And, and that's the difference in the choices. If I'm not doing the work, I'm not, I'm not going to make the right choice because I've, I've proven that to myself. I, I've done the... Uh, the uh, research, guys, you don't have to do it. Um, and a lot of other people have done the research, too, and it's never worked for anyone. So, you know, I, I wonder what would have happened if, um, and, and also being able to trust on a higher, in a higher power. You know, Bill, Bill wanted this business deal to go through, and it didn't. And, and things like that happen in my life. And I just have to trust that, you know what, God's got something better for me. Um, and... And almost always, I don't always see it at first, but I will, I will get the answer. The answer comes. So thank goodness if Bill hadn't made that decision to go down and call the, the rectory, um, you know, I probably wouldn't be here today. I'd be doing what I've been doing for decades before I came into 12-step recovery, which was going on diets, losing weight, gaining it back, and being miserable the whole time. And thank God that that's not the case anymore. So, um, you know, again, if I'm not in fit, if I'm not on fit spiritual ground, and I I will get that strange mental twist, and I'll make the wrong decision. So, thank you so much, and I pass. 
Thank you, Kathleen O. Millie D, you're next. Hi, I'm Millie D from San Diego, California. <clears throat> I'm still recovering from that cold I had. But how many times have I been placed in this? Oh, by the way, would somebody please time me? Have I been placed in this, in this, um, should I take this bite or should I leave it alone? Um, thank God, since I've been back in um, OA since 2002, I have been um, brought back here by a vital spiritual experience, and I know that I cannot take that first bite now. Um, but before, before that, I... So many times I had lost nearly 100 pounds, and uh, I remember vividly the last time, and somebody at my work, I didn't go to a place, but it can happen around me whether I walk into a candy store or not. Somebody was offering candy around the hair salon, and, and I said, oh, no, thank you. And they said, oh, come on, Millie, you've been so good. And there's a, a little thing went off in my head, and I said, oh, I have been so good. I bet you this time I can just eat one piece. Well, I took that one piece of candy, and I did not come up for air for five years. And, um, you know, I looked down at myself and said, how in the hell did this happen to me again? Well, fortunately, I got back here. God got me back here. And um, I don't have to do that anymore. And, uh, you know, the instructions in this book are very, very clear. If I stay in fit spiritual condition and I do this program every day because I can't stay clean on yesterday's shower, then I have a chance of not taking that first bite again. And it is so important to me to, to do this because, as it's said in this program, this program does not work if we want it. It doesn't work if we need it. It only works if we do it. And so I need to be here and have this healthy fear that I cannot no matter how lonely I am, how, and I don't have to be lonely anymore. I've got a, a fellowship of people around me that, that I can call and talk to at any time or who call me. It's, it's, you know, I am so grateful, so grateful that, that um, I'm on this Vision for You program and that, that I can dig in this book and get these clear-cut directions um, every single day. I'm very grateful for this meeting, and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melody. Sherry KP. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful recovered compulsive reader. Uh, thanks so much for your service, Melanie, and everybody on the line. Welcome. Um, I'm just going to dive right in here. Um, you know, this... This, they're talking about how, you know, we work with others, we show you how to do that. Now we're going to show you what's in your future and how you can take care of yourself in the future. So we're going to give you a glimpse of it. So it goes into the story. Bottom line is about Bill, and um, he has a rough going, uh, trying to make a deal. It didn't go well. He got very bitter. You know, he wanted to go drink, um, and it looked, you know, inviting and everything, but but thank God God was in there helping him, and he ends up not going, and he ends up helping somebody else. So this is the bottom line to me. This is an incredible paragraph because it's saying to me, Sherry, it's great that you're recovered, but, you know, life's going to happen, and so you're going to need some um, more tool skills here. 
to get through these rough goings because life is going to happen. I mean, you know, we're all on the line and we, we sound wonderful and we are wonderful. But we just, you know, we have life things happen and now we have a skill set of what to do with it. So the thing is, is that when I'm having a bad day, I either make it a short day, but the first thing I do is when I'm having a bad day, I turn to my higher power, I go get useful. And for some reason, what happens to me is when I'm being useful, my higher power gets in there and cleans out all the junk in my head and then helps me helps me have a solution of what to do. And usually it's always when I'm useful, I end up getting more out of it than I ever gave uh, being useful. And so this is about living in 10, 11, and 12. And I love these clear-cut directions here because that's what it's telling me that my life, if I do this work and continue to do it, that that calamity will be matched with serenity. And um, just just how, you know, if it hadn't been for Bill, if he had gone into that bar and not gone to met uh, Dr. Bob, we all wouldn't be here today talking on this phone bridge. And I'm just so grateful for that, that I've got directions here of what I need to do when my life is not going well. Um, you know, I had a mixed day yesterday. It was really interesting, and, you know, it ended up being useful. And we ended up in that workshop with 16 people, and it was incredible, and the energy, and, and it was phenomenal. And I was so grateful to my higher power to allow me to be useful, and I know that's what happens. When I get useful, I feel so much better, and I'd rather be useful than go back into the food and be face down in the food, miserable, unhappy, um, dying, um, and this way, I, I know what I can do now to, to change my life. And that's with my higher power's help and with working with others and being useful. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. For those that have just joined us, we are reading from the big book today, page 153, paragraph 3 is where we began, reading through five paragraphs in its entirety. You want to read along and, and get ready to share. Lisa B., you're next. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Good morning, Melanie. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you so much for your service and for everyone that's on this phone meeting with me, uh, reading this wonderful reading. So, you know, I was looking in Bill's story, and he tells us in his story that the business and financial leaders were his heroes. So that's what he always wanted. You know, he had an idea in his mind of of what he wanted. And in this reading that we read today, had he been successful in his enterprise, he would be set on his feet financially. And, you know, so often I, I have things that I think I know I want and that are going to be really good for me. And it's hard for me to go to that God consciousness within on a daily basis and, and ask for direction and guidance. You know, is this good for me? Is this, is this what your will is for me? You know, um, that's what he tells us in his story, that we're to sit quietly when in doubt, asking only for direction and strength to meet my problems as he would have me. And then never am I to pray for myself, except as my request born, my usefulness to others. So it's so opposite of what I naturally want to do. And, um, you know, the other thing that comes to me in this reading is what was shared this morning, and I loved it, is someone was sharing how he broke the record, you know, like when someone beats the time of speed, you know, to run like the mile, you know, how fast they can run a mile, and they beat that record, and then suddenly other people start beating that record, and then a new record is set, a new record is set. But before that record is broken, you know, everyone is like, no, you know, that could never be beaten. That's like this unattainable thing. Well, Bill did that for all of us. You know, he set in motion um, by turning and and 
doing the right thing, which is what the steps now tell us to do. But, of course, they didn't have all the steps then. But he's recovered. He's had that spiritual experience. And he knows that even though he may not have been able to help others get sober, he was still sober. And, yes, this is what worked for me in the past. Let me see if I can talk to another. You know, and then that record was broken. And and I'm so grateful for that. And every day, you know, I need to turn within that new God's consciousness within because I still have things that are my heroes. You know, before recovery, things that were my heroes, you know, all about the outside and what I think is going to make me feel better. And every day I need to surrender that. And I think that comes with the gift of desperation of knowing that I will die from this disease, that I have to surrender everything, everything. With that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Stephanie N., you're next. Hi, this is Stephanie N., Recovered Compulsive Eater in Kansas. Um, I can identify with seeking that release that he's talking about, and it reminded me of, in the doctor's opinion, where they say they were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. And, um, and for me, I didn't know any other way to deal with life's problems, and so I needed a distraction and I realized over time that I was using food or planning my diet or over-exercising all as distractions from life. Um, sometimes I could find that, um, you know, like he was looking into that bar and seeing all those people there, and sometimes I could find it that way. But, you know, there's not always going to be a gay crowd around, and so I would look for those distractions in other ways, and, and that was the most comfortable way for me. Um, you know, just just having to escape. Um, I could also identify with his worrying about money. And, um, you know, I, I guess I knew deep down that the distractions wouldn't solve my money problems or any of my problems, but I believed that they would. And, I, um, you know, I found that ease and comfort that I was looking for. And it was a lie, but I believed it and I, I found comfort in it. Um, but now I seek out the truth that is in the, the big book. And... Uh, when I need a release from my fear or when I'm having a hard time when I'm struggling, I just lean into God and the steps and working with others. And I do come out on the other side and I'm not left in remorse and guilt and overcome by the mental torture. I can come out okay. And um, and I have solution to life's problems, which um, the big book says it so well it used to baffle me, and they did. I didn't know what to do with my problems before, and now um, I know how to deal with life, and it's just really a miracle I'm just so grateful for, and um, I'm grateful for all of you also. So anyways, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. And Marin, you're next. And the first initial of your last name, please. Marin K. Marin K. Hi. You like King? K. K. Like King. Marin K. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Sorry, guys. You are up. You are up, ma'am. You should. You should see me. I've got all my catalogs out, looking to shop. Um, I have the old big book, so it's like hard for me to find where you were reading from. But my big book is so tattered, it looks like it's been to hell and back again. It's been written on and 
I'm 29 years in the program and 23 years in OA. I'm an anorexic, bulimic, compulsive overeater, sugar addict, and I have about six months off sugar. And um, I find that I really want to eat sugar this morning because I'm depressed, and I think if I eat sugar, I'll feel happier about my sobriety, and I hate being off sugar because it was like my thing. And I also shop too much, and that's my thing. And I and I think I love this. What we I've heard other people talk about, which is, you know, do we make a right or a left? You know, right is recovery, left is the disease. And um, it's a it's a fine line. And um, I have uh, an illness that I have to take medication for, which makes me have to take laxatives, and that is a you know a little bit of a trigger for bulimia, but. I take it as directed. My gastrointestinal doctor knows about it. So does my psychiatrist. But um, it's, um, you know, 23 years into this disease, I see how it morphs into all these other areas. But there's no reason, like my sponsor told me yesterday, for us to suffer. Like other people have said, we can call people, we can read the literature, we can meditate, we can exercise, we can... um, work with others, especially working with others is the best. Find a newcomer. And, you know, um, it never fails. And this big book is so much a Bible for me. It's a Bible. It's a, it's the, it's the one thing in my life that I could never live without. I've always said to my cat that you and my big book are the only thing that I really love in this house. And um, I just think that Bill... Um, might have made the wrong move and we wouldn't be okay today. And we know now that when we, like it says in the big book, there will come a time when there will be no mental defense against the first drink. Well, I have been there. And, yes, you have to turn to a higher power, only a higher power. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Marin Kay. We have time for probably two more people to make their comments of experience, strength, and hope on these paragraphs. Who would like to take those times? Hi, Renji. Brittany Allen. I heard of Brittany and I heard of Donna. Is that true? Dawn. Dawn. And Donna, too. I thought I heard Donna. Okay, so I'm going to go with Donna and Brittany. Brittany M. and Donna. Donna, would you go first, please? Did you say Donna go first? Yes, please. Oh, great. Hi, Donna here, recovered compulsive eater. And uh, I'm from California, but I'm in Boston right now. I just want to check in and say I am a compulsive eater, and I do need to work a program today and every day, and I need my higher power. Um, I went to a a meeting last night in Boston, and it was just so wonderful to meet my fellows and um, to choose recovery instead of all the other uh, food places lurking, and um, I really want to rely on infinite God rather than my finite self today, and to keep checking in with God, you know, my, part of my uh, malady is that I feel like I got to figure it all out, and I kind of white knuckle life, and um, I just want to remember, I can ask God, hey God, what do you want me to do next, but you know, what is your will for me, what's the next right thing, and then I can keep it simple, and relax, and take it easy, and not struggle, so that's where I want to be today. I want to be happy, joyous, and free, and let trust that God's taking care of, you know, right now and the rest of my life, 
Um, I get really um, anxious about trying to deal with everything, and um, maybe just for today I can uh, relax and know that God is in charge and all is well. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Donna W. Brittany M., you're next. Thanks, Melanie. Uh, Brittany M., recovered compulsive reader out of Spokane, Washington, and um, yeah, I really felt compelled to to share this morning. Um, you know, I've been dealing with an intolerable situation at work, and just miraculously, things have somewhat been relieved. And guess what? I'm still not happy. And finding, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop, and you know, this is too good to be true, and just it's it's amazing how baddie I I am and can get myself going. And it's really, you know, I'm really seeing that my mind is my greatest addiction and my thoughts, they crave to be believed. And um, my ego really has a script and it's constantly, yeah, God, your will for me, yeah. And then I have all these opinions and judgments about what's going on and why it shouldn't be. And if it's wrong and I need to change that situation. And um, I see now why it is that it's been, you know, poor me, poor me, poor me, a sheet cake. And those instances come up, like where I'm like, wow, this is this is this is what I this is what I used to eat over. I I get it, I see it, and now it's like it is a hot flame because it it doesn't do for me what it used to do for me. And so instead. The spiritual toolkit's been laid at my feet. What do? What can I do? I gotta get this stuff up and out. And so I called someone yesterday, and it's amazing. I'm sitting there praying, you know, God, like, please, like, just let me know you're with me. And my eyes were closed, and I said, miracle ear. And lately, it's been kind of my my language with God is if I see the word miracle. Well, lo and behold, look up and there's a sign, miracle ear. And the lady that I was talking with, you know, that's a hearing aid product. She's like, maybe you need a hearing aid. Perhaps you should surround yourself with um, positive podcasts and and meditations and stuff. And I was like, wow, how interesting, the word miracle. And it's interesting, too. I called someone last night, and we can't pass this program on unless we're in spiritually fit condition. And I was feeling all tangled up, and I called someone, and she picked up the phone, and she gave me another. I'm I'm listening. I'm listening now because I need this hearing aid. And she talked to me. She's like, Brittany, your thoughts are habits, right? Your thoughts are habits. And God's like bringing you helicopters and rowboats, and, and you're like waiting for God to do something else for you. And just reminded me that there's so much to be grateful for today, and I am addicted to negative thinking, and I have an opportunity to be grateful. And I am just fine, financially secure right at this moment. I'm not buying anything, eating anything. I'm cozy and warm, and I'm... It's all good. And so what appeared to be the flimsy read becomes a loving hand of God. And it's amazing. The page before these five paragraphs, it has both miracle in it and the word aid. And it's like, thank you, God. Um, I'm going to choose to consider that a sign and keep on marching. Thank you. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Brittany. Time would allow for a two-minute share. Did somebody want to take that before we transition to the next portion of our meeting? I'm Dawn. Hi, Dawn. We'll take it. Thanks. What's the first initial of your last name? Kathy Joe P. P as in penguin. Dawn P. We gotcha. Thanks so much, Dawn. Go ahead for two minutes. 
Um, this reading actually reminded me of one of the LA sayings where one bite is too many and a thousand bites is not enough. And that is exactly what I went through um, before recovery where it's like not just my weight, but my spirituality, my emotional, the emotional side of me, the uh, the way I interacted with people, everything was like on a yo-yo. And it wasn't until I was able to recover and completely surrender everything over to God, including my trigger foods, that I was able to find peace. Now, even when I'm around those trigger foods, they don't phase me. It's just, okay, it's there. And I don't feel the need to then take another glance at it and think, okay, I could just have one, one more, whatever. Um, I just keep going. And um, when I had you know, out-of-town family visit over the weekend, my niece and nephew shared uh, my trigger food, and it happened to sit in front of me the whole time. And it didn't phase me a bit. And it's because of this program and God that I have been able to achieve that that peace. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Don P. And thank you to everyone who shared today. We will be soon closing out the recorded portion of this meeting, but please stay tuned. That doesn't end our meeting time. We have announcements and newcomers and sponsors to grab a hold of here. But I did want to thank those that made this study possible today that brought the solution to life this morning by serving on the visionary meeting. Kalina M., Leslie C., Mary, Marie J., Kathy Jo P., and Gina R. Thank you so much. We will now close the meeting with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, and we'll follow that by the Serenity Prayer. Kathy Jo, would you please read a vision for your book is meant to be suggestive only? Good morning. This is Kathy Jo P., page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.